0: Personal testimonies and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this you matter to Christ.
1: Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of Scalex.ai and the AI for Sales expert on C Suite Radio and C Suite TV. Today I'm with Andrew Kennedy. Andrew is the co-founder and CEO of Work Entropy, and it's just like what it sounds. Uh, Work Entropy talks about app-based delivery and ride share, BYOB, not booze, but bring your own boss, and Uh, how to be an independent contractor, independent employee, and really take control of your life. In the gig economy, there's no better time to do that than now. I think COVID woke us a lot of us up and helped us realize, oh, you mean I can make money doing this or that and free up time to do whatever it is I want to be doing? Uh, So those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about today with Andrew on the show. So Andrew, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I'm uh, really excited to talk about, you know, the journey we've been on with WorkHRP and, and how it ties into AI. So yeah, a really cool show. And I I'm really looking forward here. to this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe the conversations we have nowadays, whether it's healthcare or IT or anything and everything, uh, AI is being deployed. And it's, I think it's going to change. The last person, I always thought, well, how big is it compared to the internet? And he said, no, 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 no. compare it to electricity. And like, this is a guy that was with IBM Watson. So he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And when he says compared to electricity, and it's going to be leaps and bounds above that, hang on for the ride, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Absolutely. So before we dive into the topic, I like to rewind the tape and ask the question about when you were younger, it sounds like you were raised in New York, um, or at least that's where you moved from most recently. But now you're in San Diego. What was your thing as a kid? Like, what did you love to do? What was your passion when you're six, seven, eight years old?
2: Oh, man. I, so I actually was born and raised in the Midwest. I didn't move to New York till I was 13. So growing up in the Midwest, you know, there's not a lot to do there. It's pretty flat. I, I grew up mostly in Iowa. I was born in Nebraska. But I tell you what, man, I got into Legos early and I loved Legos. Me and my brother were always building stuff. Um, And we moved a lot too. So we were always in different schools. Um, We had um, a few years where we actually homeschooled. Um, My mother was a stay-at-home mom and kind of went back and forth uh, to to work. So we always, like, we were always into Star Wars. You know, we always liked video games, loved Legos. And um, being in the Midwest, we did have a few different places where, um, you know, we had some forests and we had things that we couldn't explore. So I loved exploring, loved you know, role playing, you know, playing army, hide and go seek, tag, riding around the neighborhood with the bikes, just exploring things and finding new things and figuring out how they worked. Mm. So I feel like that's always really been kind of an ongoing theme ever since a young age. Just how does this work? Why does it work this way? And just always asking these questions, right?
1: Well, you'd you'd love my theater room because I have every Star Wars poster around. It's a gray background, 120 inch projection screen with all of the deep sounds and everything it was a dream that I had since I was a kid to have a theater room like that. Now it's all star Wars. So, uh, I can relate to the star Wars theme, the yin okay. and the yang of life, right? Good versus evil. And it's just, it's, it's always been, and I think, I think star Wars did a good job of articulating that even in a family, there can be differences, right? Whether it's princess mm-hmm. Leah, Han Solo, and then the sun becomes kind of a dark person but also has good in them. So that was always interesting to follow that series. I
2: I love that. Yeah, the theme around it, the lessons. And I mean, that really played into just that obsession with space, right? It's just really compacted that and just opened your mind to like, you know, space travel is gonna be a thing and look at lo and behold, now we've got, you know, Jeff Bezos and the company, like he's got this this whole wave of billionaires now going into space, right? Like we're living it, you know? Like when when are we gonna actually have the real Batman pop out or the real Iron Man? Next question. But the other thing on the space, too, it's something that, that I uh, I was thinking back today as I was thinking about these questions, I was like, I always was obsessed with space, Legos, Star Wars. I'd build a lot of the spaceships and airplanes and different things like that. But I also um there's quite a few artists in my family. My grandfather painted, my my dad got into a little bit. So I like to draw a lot. And I I remember um this just dawned on me. I used to draw like different spaceships or boats ships at different times. I used to see like how many amenities I could fit on there. I had like the weirdest, you know, I'm like five or six. So it's like a basketball court on top of a swimming pool on top of a shopping mall on like, you know the back of a Ford truck, you know, <laughs> and stuff would just like come uh, out and it'd yeah, be like a transformer yeah. style. And it's funny because I look back at that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot all about that. And now that we're thinking about like space, living in space and it's like, it's that same thing. You're in a ship, you're in, in the atmosphere, you're taking off like you need those amenities. And uh, I don't know. I just I've had that lifelong passion. I love space. Huh. I love well, exploring. maybe I love you know. If I know NASA's that's not listening.
1: <laughs> I just <laughs> literally interviewed a guy on my podcast today, who helped send 14 of the first space shuttles to space in his early 20s, and yeah. and then his other story was his dad was the first person in America to have open heart surgery. So wow. yeah, pretty, pretty a great
2: person. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty neat first, right? I love it. So thinking about stacking a spaceship with you know a bowling alley and a food court and a subway and whatever else is on there, how does that tie into work entropy and the kind of work you're doing today?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question and um, you know as I've thought through this and, and really reflected, it, it really ties in a lot and I think in today's world we, we try to compartment we do compartmentalize too many things. And um, that's very true with traditional employment, right? You have one job 40 hours a week, you get the benefits, you can't work anywhere else, you got the nine to five, you have the grind. And maybe initially, it was something you were really interested into, right? Or you had a career path, you've been there for many years. Um, Or maybe it's just a temporary job, right? Like there's so many different variations of that. But at the end of the day, you know, more and more often, I'm running into people that are are complacent there, they're not happy, they're like, this isn't what I really want to do. And you know, and that's been the beauty of the gig economy, right? It's like, you know, kind of like this, the ships I was talking about. It's like, yeah, you don't need just, you know, the, the rudder there. You don't just need the crew hands. Like, why can't we have a bowling alley on there? Why can't we have a basketball court? And I mean, we've been looking at super yachts because we just got back from vacation in Italy. So we're near the Amalfi Coast and we were, you know, we were not on one, but we, we saw plenty. These multi-million dollar yachts, right? And they do have basketball courts. and They do have all these things on there. And, you know, it just really made me think about all this. And it's like, there's so much more to life, right? And each individual has skills and each individual has value. So why not tap into those to find work that you really enjoy? And, and why don't we have more freedom to really experiment and find out what we wanna do? You know, if I only have two or three jobs, maybe I don't even have a job in high school, right? Maybe the first time I get a job is after college. I, I don't have much perspective on, I don't have much experience from the sense of diversity, right? Like you go to school for a major, you have a focus, it's kind of in a single lane. But um, yeah, I was very fortunate. Like, you know, I mentioned like growing up, I was homeschooled and went to different different po- public schools, private schools. I yeah, in you China, got to Nebraska, try York, the food court, right? try the
1: bowling alley, Try, I mean, try on everything for size, <laughs> different towns, different teachers, different dialects, all of it, I'm sure, right? Absolutely,
2: yeah. And I was very fortunate yeah. to be, you know, very supported by, by my parents too. They, they forced me to, you know, to play piano when I was very young. That was the first instrument. And they're like, Play, try it, play it. If you don't like it, you can try other things. But I got to learn sheet music and I got to get the fundamentals and I went on to try different, you know, guitar and I got to play jazz band and saxophone. And do I still play those things today? No, but I got to experience it. And I, I stuck with the guitar though. I do love guitar. Um, but yeah, my, my point being, you know, you, you don't, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to experience these things, you don't have the opportunity to understand what you truly enjoy and you miss out on that. And that's really what we're trying to do with Work Entropy is bring together the opportunity that the gig economy has and bring that to a central location and not have it so disparate and if you look at this most simple analogy with you know lyft uber right that's really what what, what brought this to light like the gig economy has been around for a while but it was really that technology enabled services that elevated it to the next level and today like there's a lot of drivers that drive for lyft and uber right and some of that drive for just one of them But a lot of them have a day job or another job. Some are retired. There are so many stories. and That's really what got me so interested into this was taking those rides and talking to the drivers and hearing their story. So it was because of that, we we really got into the community side of what we're doing with Work Entropy. We actually have our own podcast. It's the gig economy and you and we interview people from the gig economy, we hear their stories, and it's from all different segments. We've had traveling nurses and Uber drivers and teachers, and it's just amazing the type of people that you meet and hearing their stories and just understanding that you know what anyone can do any of those things. Well, I mean, first.
1: here, let's flip the script for one second. Check this out. Yeah. I'm gonna change my virtual background, and this is gonna hopefully prove a point. A lot of people are gonna listen to this on the podcast, so they won't see the background change, but Those who see this will see the magic trick. Okay. Hey, this is Chad Burmeister on the Living Better Story podcast, right? We're here on the AI for Sales podcast. And yet I have a parallel universe of me running a nonprofit 501c3 charity that is about half of my time. Most people in the world would think that I'm working 200% of my time on Scalex.ai, which is the company I founded three and a half years ago. But I'm not. I'm actually spending 50% of my time doing the Living a Better Story podcast, helping change people's lives, building an app that we just launched today called 77 Prey that costs $6,000 to build that's going to change the people's lives in a lot of areas, food for orphans. So I think the point that you're making is exactly articulated by, by what I'm doing, because I can live in two different worlds, and I'm equally passionate about both.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to be 100% in anything and and not give 100% effort to it, right? You can, you can split your, uh, your intention and your focus. As long as you're deliberate and purposeful about that, you can still produce great outcomes. And I think that's something that's lost in our current society because of just the ongoing fear factor of failure. Right. Our society just has not been able to truly embrace failure and and look at it as learning lessons. Right. No, don't do that. Like, go, go get your degree, go get a nice, stable job, get your retirement, your 401k. Tell you what, that's not, that doesn't exist anymore. That security isn't there anymore. That's really what people are waking up to is you don't have the pensions and you know, you'll get laid off after a few years. You know, there's stability is not there anymore. CEOs are rotating at three to five years and that trickles down. It's just a different- Yeah. VPs
1: of sales, 18 to 20 months is the norm. Um, I had a person who just helped the company go from series B to series C. They went from zero to 20 mil. Now they're trying to go to a hundred. And this guy, he's ousted and and he's a great sales leader, but you know, and and you can start to kind of think, uh, am I a bad person? And no, it's just how the world works. So- prepare yourself knowing that that'll happen. Man, I remember in the MBA program that I wrote 20 years ago, I interviewed this ex-CEO of US West. And I said, hey, I'm thinking of going into tech sales. Should I? Or should I stay with Fortune 1000? He said, no, you should leave. It's more risky for you to stay in traditional transportation sales at a low margin than it is to go be in the creative world of the software space so go. He goes, you'll make a lot more money, you'll be happier, and it'll actually be lower risk in the long run. And I think you're right. The gig economy, it's actually lower risk. And that to, to a lot of people, look, they're hard coded into saying, I need to stay with what's lower risk and low variability. And so that's okay. Just learn that it is actually lower risk by learning to work in the gig economy.
2: That's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, they just don't have the support system, right? It's still immature. It's still a young, you know, the gig economy has so much, so much potential and has a very bright future. And unfortunately it's fraught with a lot of, you know, shortcomings and just hard lessons that we're learning right now. And as, like any other thing, like the gold rush, right? We're going in there, getting massive profits, marginalizing each side. And it's just how we run business currently in the economy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a whole nother society, you know, transformation we need to go through. And that's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah, now. that's but, right. Well, tell me you know, about AI
1: and your platform, Andrew. It sounds like yeah. I'm on the same page. You've got all these people with skills that yeah. just, like, you know, just like a dating app, match.com can put you in touch with someone. And it's like, man, how cool would that have been if I knew that 30 years ago? You know, the, the matching yeah. of exactly the right personality. I have to believe there's a gap in there when it comes to matching the right people and the right types of work. Um, Absolutely. How do you guys leverage AI in your product?
2: Man, it's, it's so many different ways and in so many new ways and in the future ways we can't even imagine, right? So if we talk about work entropy and, and work being a set of tasks that you complete and, and, int- and entropy just being the general disorder and, and slipping into chaos, right? As we get more apps, as we get more things, as a society, we get more complex, work is going to continue to get more complex. So for us, AI is an exponential scaling feature with us to help manage that chaos and manage the things that no, don't need to have the um, super like the super supervised uh, human element right and that's I'll I'll get back to that in a minute but how does it tie into work interviews so there's so many pieces of an individual that that, that you need to understand for their personality, right? But if we start focusing on the work and we start toning it into skills, how do we start understanding their skills? So one of the things that we actually launched in May is we got into the vertical of the contact center. So we're now working with contact center professionals to help place them in with uh, business process outsourcing companies, call centers, businesses, and, and the works, right? And in the call center world, that's my background. I mean, I started at, at the corporation, worked my way up from a call center agent. I've done the, the, the full nine yards, right? So I've learned a lot about those processes. And I also realized there's a lot of processes that just don't need to be manual anymore. One of them is around the interviewing process. So we work with our, our, our partners and other platforms to, to run really good assessments and evaluations and virtual interviews. And what this does is it assesses the individual for their speech and how they articulate their their tone, their pace, um, tries to break down and understand if they're gonna be a good fit um, in the contact center space. And then we couple that with um, other inputs and questions and assessments um, to really analyze what type of role that they'll be good at. Um, And most recently, we're now implementing our training program, which is gonna be using artificial intelligence to measure gaps and understand learning Uh, where we need to improve material, um, the reinforcement element, start recommending, here's a refresher on this skill, here's, here's a skill you need for this job. So as we untangle all this, we're really just trying to simplify it and say, at the end of the day, we can start changing the world by giving anyone on the globe the opportunity to work from home if they have a computer, an internet connection, and some form of communication skills or soft skills, right? You can do chat support, phone support. And this is revolutionary when we're talking in third world countries or really generally out anywhere outside the US where um, it is still very hard to have remote work, A, because of the client requirements, B, because they, they want people in brick and mortar, they want to see the, the agents. But most importantly, C is the infrastructure of the company, of the country doesn't always support work from home. People don't have the internet connection that they have. So there's another initiative that we're working on as part of our our foundation, the, the Work Entropy We Foundation, uh, which is going to be the nonprofit leg of, of this company. And we're going to actually help support communities, get the infrastructure that they need, the training, the basic sp- skills, especially where English is a second language and companies, especially in the U S are looking for people that can speak English and that they can pay $3 an hour. Right. And I right. Know a lot because of people why pay the
1: 10 to 12 the- with the manager um, in the middle that, that big company with the four walls in the Philippines or India or, other locations, um, Costa Rica, right? And I think Costa Rica's probably led the charge a little bit there. I've seen their infrastructure is a little higher and then you can have the worker or some of the islands, I think, um, in the Caribbean also play in that area because you don't, what we've seen in this COVID days is you don't need a physical manager on the tasks of running a call center, right? If you've got the right software and tools in, in place, you can have remote management over a pretty large team.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's totally true, and, and numbers are there too. Uh, customer satisfaction scores increase, production increases. People, when they feel empowered, they they reward the company with that, right? And I think the companies you know, forget that. So um, we've found a lot of success in Mexico too, actually. And I'm you know I'm in San Diego, so I'm like twenty minutes. Um, actually I'm in Imperial Beach now, so I'm even closer right. to just the border, a, just a away. Nine no <laughs> yeah, nine-hour away exactly. But yeah, Tijuana is a huge hotspot for um, mm. outsourcing and and customer service and support. And there's a lot of people that you know will work in the US in the day, or maybe they went to school, like high school in the US, and then they moved back to Tijuana. I mean, there's, there's U.S. citizens that, that move down to Tijuana just because of the cost of living, right? So there's a lot of that culture um, harmony that, there that exists. So, we, you know, we found a lot of success there. Of course, it's much more competitive. Uh, so we've been looking at, a lot, like, all of the states in Mexico. But um, I digress. The, 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 the main thing really is that um, we're helping provide job opportunities to these people in other countries and in the U.S., And the most important piece of it is that we're speeding up that time. So through our assessments, we're taking a process that in the call center typically takes three to six weeks. And if you think about how do you apply to a job today? Well, you put in a resume, then you wait, and then you go to another job site, another position. You apply, 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 rinse and repeat. Hopefully I get an interview, right? You pretty much only have your resume to stand on. So what we're doing is we're really revolutionizing the way that people apply to work as a portion of of what we're doing. And we're now giving people a virtual interview where they can record their voice, they can express themselves, they can talk about their goals, what what motivates them, what are they excited about actually feel a connection and give the opportunity for the potential employer or contractor to listen to that and understand, you know what, this yeah, person right. actually, they have Got a whole it. goal. I see them yeah. in this, you know, call center rep, they could be a good manager. Right. Words
1: on a, a page are just words on a page. I just interviewed a CEO of a company who's raised millions of dollars. She helps other women founders raise millions of dollars. And she said, yeah, one teacher pulled me aside when I was in high school and said, Hey, look, I don't think you're going to get into college. Like you're just not suited for it. And she goes, the, she said that the teacher told me you scored worse than a monkey. <laughs> and she was <laughs> like, are you kidding her? Worse than a monkey. Ooh. And now she is able to coach people and she's done really, really well, but she learned that there's some skill sets that she's not suited for. And so, Hey, let's let other people do that. I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to run the whole company. Right. So I think what you're doing is really cool. It clicked for me right there when you said, hey, they can see it and, and hear me. And that's the skill you're hiring for. You're not hiring for words on the page and how they write. You're hiring for, yeah, so that, that is revolutionary. And so tell me about the role of AI there. If you didn't have AI, uh, now you'd probably be able to be okay without AI, But uh, or is that true? And then what do you think about the future role of AI does your company even exist? Right. There's, I think a lot mm-hmm. of companies are like, no, no, we're built on AI these days. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, man, we can make that a really long conversation, but I'm going to make it a short one. So in, in short today, we're using AI with that voice to speech analytics. And we're mm-hmm. also using it through our, our, our other partner. Uh, so higher IQ does like our hiring assessment process with the virtual interviews. And then we work with immersion AI, um, who does actual like English certifications. So they've built a platform that, um, and aside from the technology, they have the knowledge, the they PhDs, they, have, they, they work with universities, not just in the US, but in all of the regions where they do language scoring. So it's not just English, it's Portuguese, Spanish, French, et cetera. So um, A, the outcome from this is that we get to provide affordable English certifications for somebody to put on their resume if they want to say like, hey, I'm a C1. That will get you a job Head over heels with, with somebody else who doesn't have a certification or maybe has like a high B2. Uh, I, for those of you not familiar with the scale, it's basically A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, C2 being fluent like the most fluent and proficient. So when you're when you're when you're talking about this stuff, this is huge in the hiring world really with any position if you're in sales, customer service. So my point being they're using artificial intelligence to automate that assessment. What would typically take you know, two or three hours of a human assessor being there, listening, talking, you gotta study for it, et cetera. They're now able to do this in a 15 to 30 minute process through written exams mm. and uh, speaking exams. And what I really like about it is that they have an adaptive assessment process. So as you're going through the question, they leverage AI to understand what you're saying and assess your skill level to then give you either more challenging or more easy questions um, to really narrow in on your skill to give you the most accurate possible rating. So I love that about them. Um, and the, the speech on the other side gives, gives a general score with their interview to, to say how likely of a fit they are. So that's how we're using it today. Um, and that ties in really well with my own personal background with my time at, at other software companies where I've done product management for uh, interaction analytics platforms and workforce management platforms and stuff. So, uh, those are really out of the box use cases. That's cool. Something that exists today. Um, but in the future, Really, I mean, we want to do a combination of these assessments and other training and different things that leverage AI, right? Um, To build together, basically, what we want to have is like the DNA of the worker, right? And it really focuses on the skills, but also the working preferences too. It's you know, it's how good you are at a job. The skills is really only the half of it. You know, your communication, your personality. I mean, it's so important, and and people don't look at the you know the the human margins, right? you know, oh, we're so profitable, oh, we're, you know, but you're running your people into the ground, right? There's mm-hmm. turnover and look at the state of, of the U.S. and the world with, with mental health, uh, definitely exacerbated by COVID, of course, without, you know, being stuck in home and everything. Uh, but it's just... You know, In the agent's world, like we're going to start using, um, we talked to another vendor who's actually going to help us with this, we're going to start using artificial intelligence through speech analytics on production calls and through mental health support calls through our organization to actually assess the emotional and mental state of someone so that we can start predicting when an agent's going to have emotional or any type of burnout. And this is something in the call center that from management, they get pissed off because they're like, well, we have a bunch of people calling out sick today, or they're going on family leave or medical leave. And it's like, why let someone get to that point and now be in a situation of, I no longer have an employee working for me and come back to humanity and say, Hey, this person's had a rough day. They've had like five people yell at them today. They've been working for three weeks. You know, this is just observation stuff that just common sense. If you're a good supervisor, you're paying attention to your, your people. But If we can get to a place now where we're predicting that with the help of AI, it helps complement humanity, right? And that's the key piece that as we're continuing to to leverage AI, we have to keep that human element involved.
1: Well, IBM, I read an article a few months ago, can predict 94% accuracy if an employee is going to leave within the next three months, just by sitting on top of email and phone and all of it. Um, And then there's another company that I talked to that's in a round of funding that's looks at Slack and email and, and looks at aggressive communication, whether it's, uh, you know, something that's uh, derogatory or, you know, all of, all of the above um, extreme, whatever, and it can boom, it highlights. And then the manager gets a notification, Hey, you should probably catch this guy before the next thing happens, you know, and go have a talk with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's real interesting to see where this, type of technologies going if you haven't seen balto software yet they're pretty new entrant to the market they listen to the call and then they give the rep objection handling techniques here's the question so it really is an interactive listening type of a conversation uh, software as opposed to an actor the fact monitoring software real-time uh talking points which is pretty neat
2: yeah, yeah, and that's what that's what I really enjoyed with my time into it. and, um, you know, I'll keep it outside of the NDA pieces that I can share, but it was um, so cool to live in that type of contact center and now being on the other side of, of like being a product manager there after being an agent and supervisor and stuff for so many years, that's what the type of technology we're looking at and working with Amazon and what they're doing with their Amazon Connect platform and getting into the real-time speech analytics. There's so many use cases, right? Agent burnout, you know, escalations, upset customers, like you said, um, agent next best action, things like that. Like what you would typically have as a script and suggestions, it's it's now coming to the aid of of the agent. And this is what I love is like that agent experience is so important for customer experience because if we can take away the distractions from that agent so that they can focus wholeheartedly on the customer, nine times out of ten. It doesn't even matter if that customer still has a problem or they didn't re- fully resolve it. They're going to feel that that they're getting taken care of. And they know that like, you know what, maybe you didn't fix it for me, but I know you're going to follow up because you're paying attention to me and listening to me. And, and that stickiness there is something that, you know, on paper people try to chase, but in reality, it's just being human, right? We have wow. so many distractions. We now have to build AI to remove distractions so we can focus on humans.
1: Yeah, that's how right. I look at that's it, That's right? exactly <laughs> correct. Well, there's another company that we're partnering with called the World Council of Joy. And their name is joyly.com. And the whole discovery is if you stack joy two or three times a day, I mean, our thoughts are like a river and we have 80,000 thoughts a day. Most of us have half negative. I've worked for the last couple of years to go, no, no, I can't, that can't be true. We got to got fix that. So it's probably. I probably have 70,000 of 80,000 are positive, but there's, still, there's always a little bit of negative. Yeah. But by stacking joy and just thinking about what's something that was uber amazing for you in life? Like, Oh, when I had my, both my kids, perfect. Okay. Go into that state for just about a minute, step away from the computer, think about it, take a deep breath. All it takes is a minute. And that river of thoughts can be changed instantaneously to much more positivity. So I think bringing that right, that's where the AI should just pop up and go up. I, I felt the last call you need a moment of joy here you go you need a breather yeah, a yeah breather. it's fine
2: take some personal time right and agents are used to getting penalized for that right oh why are you an after call work for five minutes we're busy we got calls holding like dude yeah, you just got wrecked on back-to-back calls like let them breathe right <laughs> yeah, that's in any profession right you know you back-to-back yeah. zoom calls back, you bet know, you maybe you're running the kids around like i don't have kids yet but you know one day and i have lots of empathy um, but yeah, I love that. the and The meditation is something that that's really helped me in the last year or so. Is like taking that time for yourself to just remember and breathe, like getting back to humanity. Yeah, that's so, right.
1: Come yeah. back into reality. The other one was five, four, three, two, one. So I can't remember which sense it is, but I think it's look at five things, then um, let's say touch four things, so you can feel the texture of it. You know, whether it's your finger or your phone my microphone, touch four things and just go down the senses. I don't think it matters which one's which, but it, it brings you into the present moment and causes you to have a lot less stress. Five, four, three, two, one, you know, and then taste something like just the inside of your mouth. You're like, I think that's the last one, right. Is taste Mm -hmm. or even lick your sleeve. You're like, huh. Oh, well, that's, that's gross. But it, it really grounds you into the present moment, right? Takes you out of the future, the past or whatever, because all we have is right now. So enjoy it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. That's been a big, a big piece of my learning. And and that's really what I love the, the joy. Like, that's what we're trying to do is trying to bring more moments of joy into your life, right? Instead of doing work that you don't enjoy or things that, that just frustrate you. At the end of the day, you still gotta make money, right? So, you know, this original concept and kind of going to the future state to talk about artificial intelligence there, we wanna get a point to where basically work entropy is the problem we're solving, right? Our company is the name of the problem we're solving. And we want to organize it in a way that, that becomes passive. And it should be so easy for me to say, you know, hey Siri, can you, you know, I need to make this much money by the end of the month, right? And then it just, it knows your skills and it starts matching you automatically just as you would in a call center. Now my background and why this is so easy for me to connect the dots is in workforce management, we used to have skills that would route calls to people, right? And now Siri's yelling at me. Uh, (laughs) And and I'm gonna give you a very simple example to to try to illustrate how this would work. So you have like billing, customer support and technical support. Maybe those are three skills. And I'm I'm a level one, I just started so I can handle billing calls. So I'm only gonna have billing calls route to me. Then I'm gonna take a training All right, I'm going to take more general customer service calls and eventually I'm going to take, you know, Wi-Fi training support and billing uh, and and, uh, whatever right now I can take technical support calls so now I can take all of these calls right, the system is automatically going to be routing those calls to me based on the service levels so which what's the most busy and what do we need to answer the fastest right. Um, Who do we have staffed for those skills? Who's available, right? And this already has happened for 20, 30 years automatically and and way beyond that. Sure, um, it's doing it in an analog way
1: and you're moving it to a digital,
2: yeah exactly so we're just abstracting that out and and starting to abstract skills and start to understand the type of work that needs to be done and what skills are required for that just as you would in a call center and we'll be routing work based on your preferences so like today you know what i feel like talking to people let's do some ride share i'm going to drive around cool all right we'll start sending you stuff from uber right we don't replace uber but we send you work from uber so you can start doing that work You're like you know what I started to, I'm learning software development. Cool. I feel like I can program, I can build some websites. All right, let's do some Fiverr jobs. Let's route some jobs from Fiverr, right? The idea is to centralize the workers and be able to expose them to all of the platforms in a very consumable way (laughs) and eliminate the waste that you get through the normal It's the opposite
1: of like a Travelocity where, hey, we want the cheapest fare on the right airline. In this case, hey, if I'm in the matrix on this side, I want, Mm -hmm. like, I'm one of the best cold callers on planet earth, but I'm also the CEO of two companies. And so I just don't have time to do that. However, what if I'm planning a trip to Italy and I need to save up $20,000 so I can take my family there? Uh, I could put myself in and say, hey, I'm the best cold caller of the top 25 in America. Send me your cold calls. And boom, now all of a sudden I can make $1,000 a meeting for those 20 cold calls. Like- Awesome. You got it. Yeah, you got it.
2: That's it, right? We're not neat. we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not, you know, doing anything different. We're just combining things in a different way, right? Yeah, like LEGOs. the Network of networks. We're building a really cool Lego set and we've got a lot of puzzle. We've got a lot of really cool <laughs> pieces now, right? And the key wow. is to put the Lego pieces together and then have AI. Make sure they stay together and give us feedback if they're getting loose or they're falling apart or you know what this isn't a good fit anymore and that's why you got to come in with the the human element and make sure like okay we need to adjust this before we iterate to the next step Um, so really i think at the end of the day it's like we're trying to create a modern apprenticeship by exposure to many different gigs to build your skills and give you the resources you need to learn those skills practice those skills and get jobs to pay you for those skills and eventually this gets to a place where it's so consumable that somebody could work from their cell phone such as a homeless person who needs to make $15 to pay for food that day. Yeah. And then needs to pay, get another $15 to get some new clothes. And then needs to get $800 to start getting some rent. And then needs to get $1,500 to actually get a bigger home. Sure. And well, that's this, amazing. A I mean, it's the solution. red
1: paperclip challenge, right? It's the paperclip yep. challenge yep. trading up. I just talked to someone yesterday in Southern California, in San Diego, in fact, and he's working with the government which uh, scares me a little bit, but different different story. But he's, he's working to try to build tiny homes for homeless people so that it's not people living on streets. And that fits very nicely into what you're talking about. Where I think the funding should come from is public-private partnerships, right? There's a lot of people who've made billions of dollars recently that I know, some of them, that have a good head on their shoulders and want to give back. So imagine the the combination of hey here's a here's a set of 500 tiny homes that are all 100 square foot each and to your point that i need to make 15 bucks and they've got that skill that matches man you can turn societies around in in no time i'll end with this story robert white is a friend of our family i used to cut his grass when i was a kid he's now graduated 1.3 million people from his human potential movement stuff five different companies arc international he did some work with est which became landmark all these ones you would have heard of and the best guy that he ever hired was a guy named art art was a homeless person under a bridge and one of the classes they did the paperclip challenge basically and said hey go out and meet someone that you don't know a stranger and so they met the stranger not only that but they brought him back to the class he sat in for four days and then he became the number one trainer in, in Robert's company. So that's what you're able to do is help people plug in and understand where they are now and, ha- and very clearly define what level one, level two, gamify this whole thing based on skill sets and get them paid the most amount they could be paid.
2: You got it, you got it. And I'll, I'll leave it on this cause it's very, it's right in with what you're saying. I mean, this whole thing started with a, a conversation about homelessness. Our co-founder was, was, was homeless and he helped me learn a lot about that. The stories on our webpage, check it out. But really at the end of the day, like this is, this is a way to provide that stability, right? To understand that each individual in the world has value. And the moment that you as a person understand your value and can tap into that is, that's what's life-changing, right? And everyone deserves an opportunity. What you do with that opportunity is completely up to you. But I do not believe that we should withhold opportunity from any individual on this planet. And work entropy wants to bring that opportunity to everybody and help you realize your
1: value and make the most value out of your time. Man, that's just in full alignment. I think that to me, the God who created us is, is giving us all of this, right? Like the light switch has been turned on. And when I talk to people like you that are, that recognize that and are deploying the latest and greatest in AI to solve the world's problems, whether it's hunger or, uh, you know, women not making as much as men or just every problem that's out there, um, you know, can be solved by people like you. So kudos to you guys for what you're doing at Work Entropy. This has been an awesome conversation.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's about solving human problems. Like you narrow in on a human problem and your business is solving that problem. I firmly believe in that. Don't try to solve too many problems at once. You'll create new ones.
1: (laughs) That's right. Wow. Andrew Kennedy, co-founder of Work Entropy. What an amazing conversation. I feel like this is the conversation that actually helped me bridge living a better story in scalex.ai, and and you were the guy to help me do it. So thank you for that. The lines have been coming to an intersection.
2: (laughs) I'd love to be on that show, too, and dive into my my thoughts on culture, company culture. My title's head of culture, actually, externally CEO, but... Yeah. Sounds fascinating. I'll check uh, that we'll, out we'll do and, that
1: one next. I'm yeah. out for two weeks on some vacation. So when I get back, yeah. I'll send you my calendar link and let's do it.
2: Sounds great, man. Enjoy your vacation. Thanks again for having me.
1: Really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the af for sales podcast. Andrew Kennedy, what, a, what an awesome conversation. Visit workentropy.com. Uh, see how you can get involved because look, this whether you want to upgrade and, and move up, whether you want to help other people, I'm sure there's ways you can get involved and help work entropy. All right, everybody. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, Remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.